0: Welcome to the Alouettes Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I'm Cliffy D, and you can always find me on Twitter at Cliffy D.
1: And I'm Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And this episode is presented by our good friends over at Sport Buff, where if you use the promo code flightdeck-10 at checkout, you will save 10% off on your entire order. If you head over to www.sportbuffshop.com. Season started, buddy, but man. Not quite
0: the way we had hoped.
1: But No, no. By the way, first and foremost, goodness. first and foremost, thank you over to Reed over at the Markcast for hosting us for the entire one hour and 30 minutes of the pregame show if you haven't uh if you didn't watch us live do so by heading over to uh uh over the mark cast over on youtube at the same time make sure you do like our page so we can get to 100 people what a mm-hmm. show and uh yeah but thanks thanks again uh to uh to Reed for having us there because uh, that was that was fun i didn't know I, was, could, I didn't know i could talk live for 90 minutes
0: yeah it was pretty cool uh definitely a uh, you know really a cool experience uh i hope he does that uh, each and every week uh going forward because i think it was great i think it definitely generated a lot of interest i uh, he even said that uh, his uh, li- his listenership doubled as a result of having both Randy ambrosi on earlier in the week for the actual Marcast show and then having us join us for his uh pregame show i mean that's that's pretty cool so if we if we played even just a minor role in... In, in that then that's awesome so and apparently we got a few new followers as well as a result. so that's always appreciated yeah welcome aboard folks uh, you know we're excited as always to be able to present our thoughts our analysis of the alouettes and uh you know let's you know this, this, this is great this is it's, it's just a great opportunity for everybody to get better and i'm all for it
1: yeah uh the game versus calgary this week was fun um uh, we'll be talking about that. We've got a couple of things to talk about, but about the practice itself. We also got uh, an interview this week uh, where where we're going to be previewing the uh, uh, the Argos-Alouettes uh, matchup with uh, Mike Mitchell from uh, CFL, um, what is it? News Hub. Thank you. CFL News Hub. I was about to say XFL News Hub, but that isn't
0: it. He, well, he does right there too, but yeah, yeah, primarily we know him from CFL News Hub.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but, that, you know, all that's to come. The game, though, um, I mean, it was a very exciting game. I, that's what. That's the first and foremost. I was I was happy that the game was exciting. It actually carried over quite a bit from what the preseason was throughout the entire CFL, where the scores were a little bit were up. I think the scoring was actually up versus last year's week one, which is a good thing to see. It does show that preseason actually does make a difference, but. Obviously, the Alouettes lost. They lost by three. You could blame it on the the blocked field goal. That's one thing we want to talk about coming up. Um, you could talk about the injuries, which I'm sure played a huge part in it, because it it basically has changed this team. Uh, from you know, remember, I've always joked saying that a team is as good good on paper. It can be as good as it can be, but once mm-hmm. you get to the games themselves, and if these type of things do occur, well. That, that that That's where these teams change.
0: Yeah. It's funny. The Ottawa Redblacks, their uh, their slogan, their hashtag this year is flip the script. And unfortunately, the script got flipped for the Alouettes this past uh, Thursday against Calgary. It was a very hard-fought match. It was definitely the kind of match you'd come to expect from Montreal and Calgary, especially out in Calgary, is these teams will just—it's like a heavyweight contest. Like, these guys will throw haymakers at each other and— there's no clear-cut winner usually. Usually, like someone's got to just barely just get that last shot in, and just it it literally took all 60 seconds to decide a winner in this game. That's what I love about it. I love the the fact that this is a team in the Alouettes that didn't say die. They they faced some adversity head-on early on, and they powered through it. And yeah, it was not a perfect game. They made they made some mistakes, but they made some outstanding plays as well. I mean, th- this was as good. A third preseason game, as the first game of the season is usually considered. <laughs> yeah. As far as third preseason games go, this was absolutely
1: outstanding. Yeah. And uh, you said 60 seconds. Didn't you mean 60 minutes? 60 minutes, my bad. That's okay. No worries. But they, the last 60 seconds was pretty pretty eventful, though. That's, that's it, it truly
0: was. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about the clock management and just that that intensity, knowing full well, like, you've got to make a play happen here. And, you know, like I said, Vernon Adams... Give him all the credit in the world. He's had his ups and downs. He's had his hardships. He's he, He's been through it all. But, man, there is just no quitting that guy. Like, he will give you a full 60 minutes minutes of action. <laughs> he will give you a full 60 minutes of intensity, of integrity. Wait a minute. Do, do you mean, did you say 60
1: minutes? 60 minutes?
0: 60 minutes.
1: 60 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes.
0: 60 this minutes. Time. Okay. Okay. I learned, I grew, yeah. <laughs> I evolved.
1: <laughs> um, Alowitz lose thirty to twenty seven, but as I said, at a cost. Uh, uh, even before the first, uh, even before the first thing, the first quarter, uh, Murray, Alfred, uh, uh, Greg Reed, and William Stambek, after having what at that point was a very good first half, all out with injuries, and it is carrying over to this week's game versus the Toronto Argonauts. Um, so there are some some changes, obviously, that we will be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, all in all, first with the— uh, I saw—we know Greg Reed had been having some problems in camp. That that we knew about, but we didn't—we I, I, really didn't— I'd have to go back again and watch the broadcast to see where I thought it occurred. And, and the thing without, with Super Mario is that We really don't know what it—they say it's an abdomen thing, but that gets—it's so vague. I I guess it's meant to be, but I'm curious to know what it could be. I mean, if it's something, you know, ruptured appendix or or something of that sort or, or whatever, okay. But I don't remember seeing anything either. But obviously, the big thing was everybody saw it was William Stanbeck. And the injury, it looked bad to begin with, obviously, on television. Um, mm-hmm. I think we were talking. I'm trying to remember who we- who were we talking with a post game and saying that he's never heard. You know, Williams not the type of, of player to really, sh- you know, really scream when it comes to pain. And it, it was verbal that w- when this occurred.
0: It was uh, Joshua Antwi.
1: Yes, yes, yes. yes who?
0: Correct. Who? Uh, give him full marks. He stepped up as the backup running back. He he stepped in when Stanbeck got hurt. And he turned in a very solid performance.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, as of taping, you know, on the Monday, uh, Stanback has already had surgery on a fra- – I think it's officially been called a fractured ankle. Um, no timeline. Placed on the six-game list today along with Greg Reed, uh, which to me is – is it d- d- doubly hurts. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Standbeck, Well, – we'll see what happens. I mean, <laughs> Cliff – if a hyperbaric chamber can help Vernon Adams as much as it did this offseason to get him back into playing shape makes you wonder if, uh, if Stanbeck's going to be, uh, borrowing, uh, or, or maybe coming over to VA's place to, to, you know, borrow a few sessions, uh, in, in his tank.
0: It couldn't hurt. I mean, you, as you said, you, you see what uh, has happened, like as far as recovery goes for Vernon Adams after his major injury and, it's kind of bittersweet to think about the fact that when we were at training camp, we saw Stan back off to the sidelines and it looked like his ankle was taped up too. Yeah, so, I mean, this yeah. couldn't have been a huge surprise, but at the same time, it doesn't make it any less easier knowing full well that, you know, he scored a touchdown in, in the game against Calgary. And, Okay, great. You know, things things are good. The offense is rolling. This is what we've come to expect.
1: And he was catching passes too, which I think is one thing that they centered on on the broadcast about one of the things that he worked on on the off season. And I will admit, I remember us last year talking about him out of the backfield when it came to uh, running backs out of the outfield catching the screen pass. We were saying that Stambik, when it came to that catching them, Stambik was one of the uh, at least last year was one of the players that. I think hurt the team the most when it came to that type of play, because the Owls have been, their running backs have been known over their history to be, they've been great out. Not all, not necessarily running up the middle, but also catching the screen passes. So and it yeah, looked like I'm, he had improved a ton.
0: Yeah. I mean, blocking, you didn't have to worry about with him running. Obviously. I mean, he's like head and shoulders above a lot of people in this league, if not everybody, but yeah, the, the, catching those passes, like those checkdowns and, you know, the, you know, quick dump offs. I mean, he just, the first part of the season last year, he was, he was just not having any of that. And it was just cringe worthy because Verna would keep going to him as like, as his checkdown, as his yeah. the last resort. I yeah. was like, don't, please don't. And then we were all, we were all excited when he finally did actually catch a pass. It's like, excellent. I mean, yes, I know that's not his job. I know he's not, we're not paying him to do that, but nevertheless, I mean, like, there are times where you absolutely need your running back to be able to make a catch and even get like a five-yard scamper downfield, if only to help keep the play going. So yeah, see William Stanback be able to especially get a receiving touchdown right off the bat—excellent news. Like we were definitely happy about that. But at the end of the day, we, we don't—we come to the show to watch William Stanback run rush shot over people. That's what everybody—that's what everybody knows Stanback for, and that's what everybody is coming to look for. Mm-hmm. And he he down near scored a touchdown too the, the, on the play where he got hurt. Like he was just bowling people over. Like this was the William standback we've come to expect. And then just oh god, just watching his, mm-hmm. his his ankle go out from underneath him. Oh, not fun, not fun. I think it was Jameer Thurman too that was kind of or was J- Jameer Thurman? I think it was that uh, kind of went low on him a little bit. Not I don't I want to believe it wasn't intentional. But oh, just watching. Stand back, just kind of crumple like that, and as soon as they bring the card out, you know things are not going to go well.
1: Right? Yeah, no kidding. And you know, obviously, too, in that game too, we had a, a, a I would I would consider a scare too when Va took a a, a, a shot directly to the chin. And we talked mm-hmm. to Va afterwards, and he was obviously not pleased about the hit itself. Uh, sorry, we were talking to him at the, at practice. Yeah. On Sunday he was not pleased with the hit himself he did say you know that even the next the next day he was just sore you know they checked him to make sure that nothing was broken everything was okay and that's the main thing but you, mm-hmm. you could tell the cuz you know after that hit i think va scored on the hurdle what it, since when are our players being known for track and field or, or <laughs> what's even dude what's even funnier cuz i don't know if you heard I think it was on the, Al- on the Alouette's Instagram account during those two plays. I think it was uh, specifically on the, on the VA hurdle for a touchdown. You hear the—I <laughs> I think I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I think I'm pretty close to this. You hear the Calgary announcer go, Vernon Adams steeplechases into the end zone. I'm thinking, that's epic.
0: <laughs>
1: but him I and Gino that. just,
0: just they got, they got the hops.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, I was like, wow. I think, I think Gino said, we talked to Gino too. And he was like, Vernon not going to get one up on me. I got to get one too. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: This is very, very friendly competition, but yeah, they, 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 that's the thing. They, they just bring out the best in each other in all facets of the game. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, VA is going to make a hurdle. Great. I'll make a hurdle too. I'm like, we haven't seen a, a Lewis hurdle since, well, Nick was playing, but... Yeah, (laughs) you're right. Like, and in Calgary, no less. Like, this is Mm -hmm. just one of those full-circle kind of moments, but, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, you talk about the athleticism with these guys. It is phenomenal. Whether it's, you know, clearing hurdles or just breakneck speed from your your running backs, like, my goodness. Like, there are are some true horses on this team when it comes to athletics. It's so impressive to see. Yeah,
1: Uh, a lot of positives, uh, 346 total net yards, uh, 250 yards passing. We'll talk about VA in a couple of seconds here. Uh, rushing yards, uh, 140, uh, most going to uh, Joshua N'Chui in uh, a relief of William Stanback. And one of the biggest pluses, Cliff, only three penalties for 30 yards. I, I was very pleased at that. Yeah. Um, so it looks like something has changed from the from the preseason, which is good.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely think discipline has, it's been an issue for the past couple of years when it comes to the Alouettes. And I, I know the coaching staff gets blamed for that because at the end of the day, you got to be held accountable for your players. And I can't help but wonder if now the message is truly sinking in about being able to tighten things up and make sure that you mind your P's and Q's when you're out there. So it's, uh, it's refreshing to see. I mean, penalties are going to happen but it's the number of stupid penalties that've gone down significantly and even though it's just one game i mean a lot can change in the next uh, game or two but to see that right away was definitely a, a welcome relief i mean you saw penalties but it seemed like it was all calgary that was
1: yeah yeah you know, calgary had 10, shooting for themselves in the 10 for over 100 so yeah so i i'm happy i'm happy uh va was 18 to 32 you know 56% Completion percentage, 250 yards, uh, two interceptions, one TD. And I think w- what got a lot of some talking heads concerned were the VA interceptions. Um, first and foremost, VA looked a hell of a lot better than he did in the preseason game. Oh, world's better. Yeah, no, no question. No question. And yes, his first interception was, on I think, on his, on his first or second pass. Okay, but that, if I'm not mistaken, again— I don't think it was all on VA. I think it was partially to blame on the wide receiver. The second one, though, to me, thrown into triple coverage, it's, it's you're looking, you're you're going to play with you're play with fire. You're sometimes going to get burned, and that's what happened. Yeah, but and
0: that's, this this is what we come to, this is what we come to expect from Fernandes. Yes, he he makes the big plays happen. He is big big play VA after all. Mm-hmm. But there are times where he. Makes mistakes. That's normal. Like when you're a gunslinger, like he is, you're you're bound to make the odd mistake here and there. And unfortunately, Adams is kind of in a position where I think a lot of people feel like he cannot make mistakes. And that's why when he does, God forbid, the man should be human and make mistakes. It just seems to be at the most inopportune times. And it's, of course, going to be amplified big time by, as you said, the talking heads and the naysayers and what have you. It's like the people that are just looking for any reason to bury a guy like Vernon Adams. Never yeah. mind the fact that he makes amazing plays happen. Never mind the fact that he's got the leadership skills that are second to none as far as I'm concerned, as well as the will to win. Does he always get the win? No. But you know what? He keeps fighting it until the very end. As I said, like he played all 60 minutes of this game. One hundred percent. And unfortunately, there are some people who are just going to focus on the negative, focus on the fact that he did throw two interceptions, whether, you know, they're his fault or not is irrelevant. The end of the day, it still shows that he did throw two picks in a losing effort. It sucks. But I, I, I sincerely hope that people see the bigger picture when it comes to him. And yeah, this is kind of what you have to put up with in order to have a quarterback of his caliber, because when he's on fire, when he's winning football games, when he's making incredible plays, there's simply no one better than him when it comes to that. So you, you got you really truly do have to take the good one in the bad when it comes to Vernon Adams.
1: That's the facts of life. That's the facts of life. Sorry. Um, the good thing that I uh, that I loved about VA is how he was able to rebound. Yes, I we understand he threw a pick when the Owls got the ball first in that first quarter. Yes, it cost them seven points because Calgary drove down and scored a touchdown. But but Cliff it was how va and the offense came out on their second drive and played as if nothing had ever happened mhm that's the sign of a quarterback that can put things behind them you know maybe again is it the number 3 maybe maybe has vernon learned over the offseason maybe but if va had not had gone a two and out in his first drive after the after after calgary had scored I think we, there would have been a little bit to be concerned about. Mm. But he didn't. And that's a good sign of any pro quarterback.
0: Without question. He's, he's learned. He's matured. He's, he realizes what he has to do. He knows that he's in a fishbowl and that everybody is watching his every move. And I, I think there's a big part of him that welcomes that challenge. And he knows deep down what he has to do in order to become a success in this league. And he's willing to put the work in to do it it's just uh, as i said sometimes the execution sometimes is not quite there mm-hmm. but the effort is unparalleled i mean like he like he, there's no question this is the guy that needs to be and is leading this team good bad or other and i don't see any of the other quarterbacks on this team with that kind of heart and that kind of determination and to me i think that's what's key that's what that's why this team is going to be successful because vernon won't have it any other way like he prepares and he goes to work and yeah if he makes mistakes he makes mistakes as you said he learns from them he doesn't let the let them get in his head and affect the way he plays the rest of the game like he just he's focused on winning and that's that's what winners do is they focus on winning they put the work in and eventually you'll get the results Mm -hmm. that's just that's how he's always done things that's what made him such a successful quarterback in 2019 it was looking to be that same way in 2021 before he got hurt. And there's no doubt in my mind, like once he gets it all figured out, he, he will be very much in this conversation as far as the Alouettes and success goes. For sure.
1: Uh, he uh, targeted nine different receivers. Um, leading receiver was Gina Lewis, seven receptions. Excuse me, seven targets, four receptions for 112 yards, uh, including a, a nice 55 yarder and, uh, and a hurdle. Um, as I said, Jeshuan Antwi came in, uh, great in relief, seven carries, 98 yards, and busted one. I thought he was gone. Like, my wife was looking at me very strange, because I was like, he, I swear he was gone. But, he, yeah. you know, I, I really did. Because I remember just yelling at the top of my head, saying, he's gone!
0: Well, I was wrong, but still. But man, whew, man, does he have wheels? I mean, we saw that in training camp, but, oh, like, to see it in an actual game situation... As we talked to him about the fact that he he knows that stadium extremely well as as he used to play for the Calgary Dinos, so you knew. Like, I, I think he he was welcoming the opportunity to really show up and show out for his friends, his family, uh, potential former teammates uh, mm-hmm. from the Dinos. Like he he wanted to put a show on while he was out in Calgary, and I think he did a pretty good job, despite the fact that he was coming into relief. I mean, probably having to go in kind of cold. Probably not expecting to get a whole lot of reps because again, when you got William Stanbeck uh, in your backfield, like you know, you're 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 gonna spend more time on often than not, uh, you know, his second banana. But thrust into the the number one role as he was, Jeshwin Antwi, he pulled it off, man. Like he he looked fantastic. And like that's why I'm obviously concerned for Stanback. I'm obviously concerned for his his health and making sure he recovers and all that, but in the meantime, while we're waiting for him to come back and be the dominant player that he was, you got a young man here from you know, you know, just he he just did a phenomenal job as far as I'm concerned, and I, I fully expect him to continue that pace. I, I fully expect him to realize his potential. I mean, he has come a long way from that unfortunate game versus the Ottawa Red Blacks last year.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, thoughts on the return game? Um, it's funny we. <laughs> we, we didn't expect to see uh Tyce Philpot make his eloquence debut as a returner but he did um <laughs> and he did a good job i think um you know doing returns basically he took off did most of the returns after after uh, Alfred got hurt mm-hmm. um i think he did, did a good job uh kickoff returns averaging 31 and a half yards uh i know Darius Pickett had a, had one himself but uh, and Philpott had returned five punts. Um, good good debut, not where we expected him to do it, but a good debut nonetheless.
0: No, and it was kind of funny because I know like TSN was really hoping to see the, his twin brother also in the lineup for Calgary to sort of play off the whole uh, brother-sibling like you know, sibling rivalry, if you will, but uh, with uh, Jalen Philpot being on the one-game injured list for the Stampeders, it was pretty much Tyson's show all the way, and... You know, we didn't even know what what to expect, whether you know, how much playing time he was actually going to get in Calgary, where again, he knows that stadium also pretty well, having helped the Dinos get to and win a Vanier Cup. Uh, but yeah, I think it was a very nice debut for uh, for Tyson Philpot, and it was also really cool to see his dad in the stands wearing one of those like dual jerseys yeah. or, or shirts, yeah, like half Calgary, half uh, half Montreal. Yeah, and let's not forget CFL legend Corey Philpot, and the fact that. And, 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 you know, but for that night, he was just their dad. And it was kind of cool. It was really cool that, you know, the the whole family showed up with uh, Philpott shirts or jerseys, I guess you can call them, with uh, Tyson's name on the back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, if Jalen was playing, he would have probably gotten some love, too, no doubt. But, uh, again, it turned out to be the tyson Philpot show without even tr- trying. <laughs> so yeah. props to him. Like, he also, too, his number was called, and he was ready to go, which was great.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, we can't forget about obviously Calgary, you know, about Levi. You know, twenty-one of thirty-four, only one hundred ninety-nine yards, one pick, one interception. Got hurt in the fourth. Jake Mayer came in in relief. Uh, was four of five, fifty-seven yards, and he—he's basically what what helped set up the the game-winning field goal.
0: Um, he was like Mar- the Mariano Rivera of the stampeders Like yeah. he he called in the call in the closer because as soon as. Uh, I saw Bo Levi go down like, oh, crap, there goes the game because I knew Jake Mayer was going to come in and <laughs> he was going to find a way to help the Stampeders win.
1: Yeah. So. Um, leading receiver for the Calgary Stampeders was uh, Richardson Danny. Uh, seven receptions for 101 yards. Uh, he uh, re- another former
0: Calgary Dino, too. I yeah. Mean, th- this was a great night. If you were an alumni of the Calgary Dinos, th- this was your night between Antwi, Philpott, and uh, mm-hmm. and Yeah. Wow, I mean, this is just a, a great reminder of uh, just how strong that Calgary University of Calgary program is.
1: Yeah, exactly. And leading receiver, uh, sorry, rusher for the Stampeders was Kadeem Carey with sixty yards. Um, Overall, Cliffy, for what what you've seen? How how was the how how in your opinion how did the defense do? I mean, yes, we did lose Reed early on in the first half. Um, but overall it seemed to be that the the defense was it's kind of reminded me the defense from, last, from you know what the, the last two seasons have been.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of bend but don't break. I, I think that the secondary all things considered played relatively well. Uh Mark uh, Antoine DeCoy. who that guy has got wheels, man, because he <laughs> he made he, he went toe to toe and broke up a, a a potential touchdown pass. Like my goodness, like it, the guy's got hops, too. I mean, like this guy, like there's something about this team when it comes to speed. And normally they say speed kills. But in this instance, like he it, it was phenomenal. Uh, linebacking core. I was very, very pleased with what they did. Defensive line looked really strong as well. Like I say, overall, this defense was pretty well on point. I mean, they got gassed a couple of times. Uh, I mean, like they but they didn't do anything stupid as far as I was concerned. Like yeah. No stupid yeah. penalties. No one bonehead defensive moves. penalty. One. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Calgary had to work for all of their points. Like, I, I know they scored, like, 13 unanswered points in the second half. But, I mean, by and large, this defense held its own. Okay. And I don't think a lot of people were really, truly really expecting it. Especially, too, once Greg Reed went down. Like, I won't say he's the heart and soul of this defense. But, I mean, he's he's definitely someone that is a game changer. We We've known this for years. So, it just meant other people had to step up and... That's, that's what this game is all about, folks. Uh, I, I will say the one thing with Darius Pickett. Defensively, like I love watching this guy play. He he has come into his own.
1: Because he has just, an actual position. It, there's that, too. That's the thing,
0: yeah. And I think putting him at the uh, the linebacker position, much better. I, I also got to give him props as well, because <laughs> at one point, Calgary was trying to draw Montreal offside, which is kind of puzzling when you think about it. But he was having none of that. Like Everybody just... Stood still, didn't flinch, didn't do anything stupid. Yeah. And then just like mockingly, like a Bronx cheer practically right in Bo Levi's face. <laughs> let him know like, yeah, you're not going to get us like that, son. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that kind of gamesmanship. You know, like, you know, it's they, they say it's not bragging if you can back it up. And look, Montreal passed that test. And he, he let Bo Levi know like, yeah, you're not going to get us like that, man. Nice try, though. So. <laughs> I, I got to give Adarius props for that. Like, that was that was really well done. I mean, overall defensively, yeah, they they allowed more points than what was scored, but, I mean, they can't control the scoring of points either. But, I mean, by and large, this defense played a very solid game against a very, very good team. Folks, I, if you're worried about this team's defense, don't be. It's going to be fine. I think the pieces are in place. I think there's a lot to be really happy about when it comes to this defensive unit. And... I just think there's nowhere to go but up when it comes to what the defense can do. So I'm really excited to see over the next couple of games how they come together. And I wouldn't be surprised to start seeing some highlight real plays from the defense as opposed to just the offense.
1: Sure. Um, lastly, before we uh, get to our interview and start previewing the, the Argos matchup, um, concerns with h- how flat the Owls offense came out in the second half?
0: A bit, yeah. There's, there's no question because— I think they tried to set the tone early, and I think for the most part they did. Uh, I'm I'm always concerned when a team decides they feel like they can coast, and which I don't think that was the case, by the way. No, I, I don't think it was necessarily the case. But at the same time, like they kind of let Calgary back in inadvertently. So again, I, I, this is why I say this is basically the third preseason game.
1: Yeah, um, there, there's
0: there's still little things that need to be worked on, little you know little things here and there that need to be tweaked and i really think that's really what it came down to like i mean i would have liked to see a little bit more firepower and i even did say at halftime like yeah you got some great momentum despite the fact that stand back went down it didn't yes. it didn't seem to rattle the team too much like they didn't pack it in they didn't you know they didn't take the wind out of their sails like they just plowed through and kept on going it, it, it just felt it at,
1: that's an interesting comment which i'll continue but that's uh, an interesting comment you just made
0: okay like to me like in the second, like the first part of the second half, like they just were seeming kind of like content to coast, or at least it felt that way. Like, you know, like not, you know, they, they did what they had to do. But at the same time, Calgary, you knew was going to come out. You know, they, they, they had to have been embarrassed by what they saw in that first half. And you knew they were going to come out with piss and vinegar and they were going to do what they had to do to score touchdowns. And I just think Montreal was kind of like, OK, well, we're good. We're still leading. We're still leading we're still leading. And then you're like, you know, leading by one. I'm like, okay, you're still leading, but <laughs> I do something about this here. You, you, you kind of let them back in. And I feel like you get like, you cannot give a team like Calgary, any sort of leeway. You got to like put your foot on their throat and yeah. don't let up. And I think that's what happened with Montreal is they had their foot on the foot on the throat. They just kind of took it off and can't do that against Calgary.
1: I, I asked Vernon point blank um, at practice uh we we're the last ones to to see him after the whole uh, tell us jersey thing which we'll talk about in the second half of the show but i said with how did how, do you think the team team's motivation and morale morale rather was hurt by standback going down and i think va said I'm paraphrasing i think he said no doubt you know because obviously an integral part of the team goes down obviously it's next man up but still It it probably it did take it probably you know it probably took a toll on the team coming out on the second half, which is which is which is a very genuine and fair answer. And I think
0: a lot of people would have even pardoned the Alois if they just kind of packed it in because, as you said, this is one of their superstars. This is one of the guys that runs the engine. Like this is one of the cogs in the engine that makes this team go. And then you lose him all of a sudden and. Yeah, it'd be so easy for the team to just say, ah, oh, screw it. Okay, we're, well, we're done. The, you know, Good game, everybody, but we're, we're finished. We No stand back, no win kind of thing, but yeah. they didn't. They really, truly didn't. Like, yeah, they were no doubt affected, but as you said, next man up, you know, Jeshuan Antwi steps up and says, okay, I got this, guys. And sure enough, I mean, he, he filled in very nicely, and I think – the team kind of responded to that. I think they kind of realized, okay, we're not dead yet. We, we, you know, we're, we're more than just an amazing running back. It's just a matter of, it's all got to come together. It's all gonna Everybody's got to do their part in making this happen. And that's what this team does. I mean, they, you know, you call it the cardiac kids, but man, they, they just, they find ways to come back and make things interesting. And there's just no quit. And that's what I love more than anything else. There's no quit. There's no feeling sorry for yourself. Like they, they just, put their noses to the grindstone and went to work and they damn near pulled it off. I mean, you talk about the very last play that hail, that prayer that Vernon threw up. Could you imagine Tim, if somehow, some way, whether it was Reggie white jr. Or Gino, I think those are the two guys that were just in close proximity to that prayer yeah. being thrown up. If somehow they could have come down with it. Holy crap. Like everything would have been forgotten. Like, I mean, it just would have been, Oh my God, Vernon Adams, is the greatest. The Alouettes are amazing. All that wonderful stuff. But instead, it was just, I think a lot of people kind of looked at that last play like, okay, it didn't go quite as we hoped, but there was no quit. I mean, like any other quarterback probably would just have taken a sack and, you know, that would, that would be, it just would have just been that, that last deflated balloon feeling. Yeah. But no, VA was not like that. He, my God, he, there was no way in hell he was not going to be able to throw that pass. And he obviously has no control of who catches or doesn't catch the ball, but. He he can go to bed at night knowing, you know what? I did every possible thing I could to get that win.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He just came up just a little short. Yeah. And it happens. And you can't be mad about that. No. It's just, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I think this game is going to, when you look when we look back in, at 2022, we're going to look at this game, I won't say necessarily as a pivotal moment, but kind of where, like, the foundation, if you will, of where the season's going to be as far as, you know, being dealt adversity, being dealt a tough hand and how do you respond to it how does you, how do your leaders step up when the chips are down
1: yeah yeah ne- ne- next man up right ne- our next game on to the next game which is what we're going to do before we go through the interview with mike just want to remind everybody that we did launch our second giveaway of Alouettes tickets S- second giveaway of these sport flight crew seats for the upcoming home opener on June 23rd versus the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, Check out all of our socials for the actual link uh, through Facebook, Instagram, uh, and or Twitter. It's over at Alouette's FL Deck. Search on Facebook for Alouette's Flight Deck Pod and search for Alouette's Flight Deck on Instagram. The links are there. You have until Sunday at 11.59 Eastern to register. Again, these are free, a free pair of tickets to see the alouettes home opener versus the saskatchewan rough riders so again we're going to be doing this for every home game this season so stay tuned
0: and if you guys aren't entering then we have no choice but to believe that you've already bought tickets for the game and if that's the case great but if, if, if you if you don't have your tickets for the the home opener and you want to go see the alouettes play against the rough riders no doubt i mean you know that's always going to be a fun matchup no matter what and we're giving you a pair of tickets on the house so Head on over to our socials, head over to our links, and get yourself entered in this contest, folks. I mean, free tickets. I mean, it really doesn't get much better than that.
1: Exactly. Uh, As you mentioned at the top of the show, a gentleman who's not been on the show before, but a great conversationalist. uh, We have uh, Mike Mitchell from the CFL News Hub, and we're going to talk to him about the upcoming Argos matchup right now. Argos this week Uh, we have a week up on them but does that mean that the Alouettes are going to come out victorious well it's something where we have to talk about Uh, with us this week to talk about Al's Argos is
2: Mike Mitchell from the CFL News Hub thanks for joining us bud Uh, thank you Tim and Cliffy for having me on I appreciate it just don't kill me okay just not literally anyway.
1: It's it's oh, literal. It's just a. It's
2: just a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll give you guys plenty of reasons to kill me, but yeah. um, but we'll see how well, this goes. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah,
0: that, that's more of a Toronto guy thing because uh, Gary Sterns. Let's not forget, is a Toronto guy. We're we're very peaceful Montrealers, so that's yeah, true. we'll we'll find other ways to kill you. Not to mention too, we just tell you in another language that we'd kill you. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sucks. yeah. Oh boy,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, If you happen to get a a large. Order of putin in sent to your house there, uh, Mike. Uh, just just eat it. You don't have to worry about it. Just eat it. There's nothing wrong with oh it. Boy. Just, just eat it.
2: Yeah. So don't worry but about it's it. It's pretty rough, but all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> none, of, none of that Ontario puts in, that Quebec puts in. Um, right. Yeah. So uh, this is sort of a, a situation that the Alouettes were in last year. You know, because the Alouettes had a first round, a uh, first round, first week by. Uh, the Al the Argos are in the same situation this year, and it's something that I had brought up, and I'm curious to know your thought on it. Is that you know, Argos are going to have a week's worth of film to use to potentially to their advantage. The Alouettes will have absolutely nothing to base it off of, other than I guess maybe stuff from last year, the playoffs, stuff that they used, you know, when they played each other. But it's a completely different, you know, every year, completely different team,
2: so to speak. No doubt about it. You know, it's uh and, and the Argos, you know, one thing about the Argos right now, they're entire, they're very different from where, where they were last year. Like if you look at their, not just their roster, they're not the kind, they didn't rest on their laurels from last season. I mean, they got a completely different defense. They got Mickey Donovan now coaching, uh, coordinating their specialty. Mm-hmm. And, and Ryan, did Dinwiddie, Ryan Dinwiddie's talked about changing his offensive style to get back to his Calgary days of running the football more last year. Uh, the running game for the Argonauts was an afterthought. Used their, They used John White and DJ Foster more as pass receivers than anything else. So uh, I think even if you were to try to go back to 2021, there are some aspects from Ryan Dinwiddie's offense that you can study, and obviously the Alouettes had success against Toronto in their last meeting at Molson. But, um, but I think the, Toronto's a lot different. It, what's kind of strange about this whole situation with the Argos bye week is – and I, I want to say it was beneficial for them because, you know, they've been studying for Montreal for quite some time now. And I'm, I'm sure they've been studying up on Montreal's first game with Calgary. Yeah. But the Argos did had a less than ideal um, uh, bye week, so to speak, or week leading up to Thursday night's game because they were without their head coach, Ryan Dinwiddie, who contracted COVID. He couldn't show up at practices, so he had to do everything virtually in you know, communicating with his staff, Pinball Clemens, everybody else. And they've had, they have several injuries to their team. Key guys, they're missing Chris Edwards, who was a CFL All-Star last year. as a Sam, one of the best players at his respective position. He's suspended because of the craziness from the East Final. Peter Nicastro, who is an All-CFL rookie as a center, was really a great draft pick by the Toronto organization. He's out. He's on the six-game injured list. They're without Eric Rodgers, Jawan Breskison, Dejan Brissett. Um, you know, uh, they're without Jamal Peters, the starting cornerback. They're starting two novices, basically, in their secondary, in Robert Priester and Tavares McFadden, who've never played a CFL regular season game. So that's so it's Isaiah Cage, one of their more important players on their team. They, they didn't have him all the last season. He missed part of 2019. He's one of the better left tackles in the league. Unfortunately, he got a head injury, and he's not going to play on Thursday night. So they're moving Trayvon Tate. Over the left tackle, and they're going to have Dejon Allen playing on the right side, which is kind of a curious move. Allen was a very good CFL rookie last year; um, played all the entire season at left tackle. So, the you would think that the Argos would be well rested, well prepared, but they've had some adversity going into their home opener, which they're feeling a lot of. The Argos organization's feeling a, just like the Alouettes are feeling a lot of pressure right now uh, to get off to a good start. And the Argos, they've raised the stakes. The expectations are higher than they were last year. They kind of, sort of came out of nowhere last year. This year, the targets on Toronto's back, and so and Toronto's expectation is Grey Cup or bust. So, we'll see how it goes on Thursday night. It makes for an interesting atmosphere.
1: Do you think it? Yeah, Go back to the original question. Do you think it gives them though a little, a, just a, a touch bit of?
2: It uh, does. It does in theory, but like I mentioned, all the hiccups that Toronto's yeah. had leading into it, it's been less than ideal. They right. the they have an advantage because they're at home. That helps. I don't know. I think uh, the home team in this series of has won eleven of the last twelve meetings. Yeah. Last time a road team won was the Alouettes, and back in twenty nineteen when they beat the Argos in the six. So I do think that the Toronto's had plenty of time to prepare for Montreal. They have an advantage there. But all the different hiccups and issues that they've had leading into this game kind of like have lessened, for lack of a better term, that particular advantage that you would normally have.
1: Yeah, Argos have, uh, uh, the Alouettes have lost the last five of six in Toronto with that last one, as you said. Before that, the Alouettes had actually had won seven straight. So, that's true. Yes,
2: absolutely. Um, absolutely. But
1: yeah, but I mean, as you know, I mean, the Alouettes are not, you know, they're not, they, they've been affected by the injury bug as much as everybody else, is, especially the, you know, the Argos too. You know, you, we lose our, our running back, a guy who very well could have run for 2000 yards this year in William Stanbeck, We lose a, uh, you know, our defensive back, Greg Reed, who was a stalwart in the defense. We got new guys. You know that are going to step up for these guys. I think Najee Murray has, has come off the uh, off the injured list, and he's going to be starting this week. We've had to sign some new running backs. We made we made a trade for a running back, so it's it's funny. It's it, it does even though the uh, Argos do sound like they have a lot more issues when it comes to the to the injuries. It's still big names too for the Alouettes that have gone down and ones that, that you know that, that are going to have to step up too. I mean, even even our returner, you know, the poor dude, Mario Alford, you know, Super yes. Mario down again with a, it. With a, we still don't know what it is. An abdomen issue. So he's on the one game also.
2: So- yeah, but there's no question. Montreal's certainly gone through a lot of adversity. They're coming off a very tough loss in week one. They, it wasn't a bad performance by any stretch of it. They were right in the thick of it. They could have very easily won that game. And so I thought it was a good showing by the Alouettes. They went through a lot of adversity. And yes, Montreal's been no stranger to the injured list. I think them in Toronto last year had the most players on their injured list. The so Toronto was ridiculous. They had to trade Nick Arbuckle away because they were going to in in danger of going over the salary cap. So they traded him away from ironically enough, uh, you know, second round pick and the rights to Chad Kelly. The reason why they did, made that particular deal, not just because they like Chad Kelly, was because they they couldn't afford to add on any salary. So I know people make jokes about the Argos with the salary cap, but that's the reason why they made that trade. They had about (laughs) I don't I was a ridiculous amount of players in the injured list. I want to say it was over two dozen, and so, um, so maybe twenty seven thereabouts. So they had a lot of players on the injured list. So and and Montreal's gone through it themselves. They they had injuries kind of did them in late in the uh, twenty twenty one season. even though they made the playoffs. So yeah, we we're in the same boat. Maybe not in the Argos boat, but we're in the same boat. On yeah, yeah. Exactly. Cliff? All right. The
0: thing that really intrigues me with the Argos is the free agent acquisitions of both Brandon Banks and Andrew Harris. Two guys who incidentally played against each other in last season's Grey Cup. <laughs> how, is that move, how are those two moves looked so far for Toronto as far as their, uh, their being able to integrate into the uh, the double blue?
2: There, You know, the thing with Banks that he doesn't get a lot of credit for, that he's really shined with, at least during training camp, we'll see how he performs during the season. The jury's still out on whether or not he can be the same player he was. But Banks has really done a great job embracing uh, the the system, the offensive system, uh, interacting with his teammates. He's shown a lot of leadership. Everybody knows about Andrew Harris. I mean, Andrew Harris is one of the most decorated players in Canada. He's a beloved figure big time leader in the locker room. I think the Argos we'll see what happens with Speedy B, but I think the Argos that East final left a bitter taste you know in their mouths and they they basically what they did was that they saw a Hamilton team who had two players their two of their best players step up in the most important moment in Jagar Davis and Dane Evans. And the Argos didn't have those kind of clutch players and so what they did was they they took Jaguar Davis away from Hamilton. And so and then here they are. They're bringing in Speedy B. They're kind of take a roll of the dice there to make sure that he's, you know, can get back to the player he was. He doesn't have to be the A number one guy there because they have a lot of different weapons at receiver. But if he can recapture some of his uh, past success or even close to it, that would be something for Toronto. Andrew Harris, they've brought him in. He was, he's clutch, too, and he's getting older. He's had injury issues, but last year when the Bombers needed him most against Saskatchewan in a tightly contested West final, he rushed for over 130 yards and a touchdown. They carry helped carry them to the Grey Cup, and then he was important, obviously, in the Grey Cup victory over Hamilton. So these star players, you know, sometimes we've seen this in sports. You know, you add star players at the end of their careers, and it looks great on paper, but it doesn't really work out the way you thought it would. So, We'll see if that's the case here with the Argos. You know, we'll see if Andrew Harris can over an 18 game schedule at 35 years of age, uh, play at the top elite level that he has his entire career He's not only a runner, but a pass blocker and a pass catcher. And then we'll see what happens with speedy B and, you know, Jagar Davis is one of the better pass rushers in the entire league. So I expect him to be good, but, um, he's trying to go for a six straight great cup appearance, which is crazy. But, um, that's uh, kind of the story there. Those guys are important for the Argos. I think they—they're uh, not just add-ons. Toronto's expecting those guys to be leaders off and on the field.
0: Mm. Now, this defensive line for Toronto—they've got to be breathing a sigh of relief that they don't have to face William Standback. Uh, when, when you look when you look at these guys, especially your, the two defensive ends and Shane Ray and Jager Davis, like what do they bring to this team that you won't find anywhere else?
2: Well, they're great. You know, Jagar Davis is an interesting player. Both these guys played as stand-up edge uh, linebackers in the NFL, so the stand-up rushers. So they can actually, they can line up in different positions, and so they have that versatility. And they have a, they have um, multiple moves, pass rush moves. Jagar Garrett, Garrett Davis can beat you on the inside power rush, or he can beat you on the outside. He's a fascinating player. He's, and Shane Ray is somebody who hasn't. He hasn't quite lived up to the building yet. Uh, last summer, he looked like a terror in training camp, and then injuries kind of did him in, and he never really you know, uh, stood up and played to the level of the promise that he showed during the early summer days. Sean Oakman is, is going to be playing right side by side with uh, J'Gara Davis on the Argos defensive line. He, he looked like a special player last year. Obviously, all CFL. I mean, first team as a CFL rookie from America. Um, dominant force. Um, So those two together on the same defensive line could cause a lot of problems for opposing teams. Um, You know, if they're healthy, uh, I think the Argos have a chance uh, uh, to have one of the better. They have Corey Mace, who's the new defensive coordinator for Toronto. Obviously, former defensive lineman himself. He's got a history with Jager Davis. The Argos lost in the sauce last year was the Argos were one of the worst teams at getting to the quarterback a season ago. Uh, They were second to last in the league in sacks. So I think that's about to change.
0: That would definitely be a game-changer right there. Uh, and speaking of quarterbacks, uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, we've seen what he can do. He is definitely one of those guys that a lot of people seem to sort of, you know, kind of pass on. He just doesn't They just does really capture a whole lot of imagination. But, my God, he plays s- such a good game. Like, what is it about McLeod Bethel-Thompson that just people don't seem to appreciate when it comes to the quarterback position?
2: You know, he's... This is the first time in his career that he's coming into a season as the unquestioned QB one on his team. But McLeod's a lot like Vernon Adams. And I want to say Jeremiah Masoli in kind of a polarizing figure. There are moments where MBT is terrific against Hamilton last year on Thanksgiving. He, over, he threw for over 300 yards in the second half and led the Argos to an important victory in the hammer. And then there are moments where McLeod Bethel Thompson will show you the other side, the flip side, where like he as he did against the Alouettes, where he had threw for zero majors and four interceptions in uh, you know, and with the Argos lost 37 to 16 to Montreal. So until McLeod Bethel Thompson avoids those types of games, he's always going to be seen as a stopgap guy. He's a credible CFL starter who's capable of having big games, but And perhaps this opportunity that he's getting, he's going to finally get an opportunity to show that he can be an elite player. But he's one of those guys that, you know, even amongst Toronto's fan base, where he's got a lot of doubters. And the only way to silence those doubters is for him to perform at a top level. McLeod's capable of it, but he he needs to do it for an entire season. And so he's a very likable individual. His teammates love him. His coaches love him. He certainly has talent. Um, there's no question about that, and he, the the CFL game has slowed down for him. He's gotten better over time, but uh, in order for Toronto to get to where they want to get to, McLeod's got to avoid those moments like he had in Molson. Lab.
0: Wow, Tim, would you not say that these are a lot of the uh, criticisms, if you will, about our quarterback Vernon Adams? Like,
1: would you, you know, not say there's a lot of parallels? I was just about to say, just that it sounds very familiar. Except uh, we we have a guy that goes by two other initials, so. Um. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing I, you know, looking at what VA, he, I understand he, he's going to get the knocks that he does, but I think that just people need to understand that guy, he wears the game on his sleeve. He's trying to impress everybody. He's trying to do everything that he can, but in in all honesty, I think he, he showed signs of improvement in game one, you know, uh, you know, the, the interception into triple coverage aside, he looked good. But yeah, you know I, think big, it's just, I think it's just a matter of giving the quarterbacks the chance. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, is you know, do people look down on Macbeth just because he played a year in the spring league? I mean, he was with the he was with the Argos. He, I think he started with the Argos the year prior. Goes to the spring league. I think he just does okay, if I remember correctly. And he comes right. back to the Argos. I mean, why do why is it think, why is McBeth not getting the uh, uh, getting you know getting the props he, that he should?
2: You know, it's funny. He's used to it. He He's had the most unconventional career, like even in college and in, in Sacramento state, he was, he was a backup, you know? So it's kind of funny. He wasn't like this highly touted guy and he's had to work hard his entire uh, pro career to try to make his way. And he's, he's a, Epitome of a journeyman, if you look at his resume and all that. And I think in the CFL, he's kind of been even disrespected by his own teams. Like, you know, he led the CFL in majors in 2019. I know it was on a bad Argos team, so a lot of people would look at that and say, well, maybe he was padding his stats and and all that. They had a bad defense, so he got an opportunity to throw a lot and all that. But McLeod has always had doubters. It's The problem with uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, in a lot of ways with Vernon Adams, although they're totally two totally different players, is that he has those moments it's like I mentioned in uh, last year where he, where he threw four interceptions uh, against uh, Montreal. So um, McLeod's got to kind of get away from that. He's reached a point in his career where he's got to be more consistent. I, I think he's a good – I think he's a quality CFL quarterback. The question with him is whether or not he can be elite. With Vernon Adams, it's a different story. I'm not trying to uh, be negative towards M- McLeod, Bethel Thompson and all, but Vernon Adams pound for pound is arguably the most physically gifted and talented quarterback in Canada. And so I think the expectation level for him, because of his immense traits and talent, is for him to be the very best. So um, everyone wants to see that 2019 Vernon Adams, when he had like 4,400 yards and whatever it was, 40 touchdowns, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, every, everyone wants that Vernon Adams. And the thing with him is, you know, sometimes you, know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, that old cliche. Mm. When you're called big play V.A., you're expected to make big plays. And so, so sometimes with that comes big mistakes. So it's the throw into see if I can make this throw work into triple coverage. Or I've got a blitz coming to me. I'm not going to throw it at the ground of my receiver or at the ground here. I'm going to try to fit this in. So VA sometimes, everybody likes him personally. He's such a likable guy. He's exciting to watch. Anybody I talk to loves watching Vernon Adams. When he's, at his, when he's on his game, there's very, he has very few peers. You know, but I think sometimes that's the trade-off with Vernon. Is he's, he's capable of making big plays with his legs and his arm, and because he's capable of doing both, uh, sometimes he puts himself in risky situations um, throwing the football. And uh, you know, and you know, all quarterbacks make mistakes. There's no question about it. But uh, but I think you know that's the frustration because Montreal. You know, I was on the Marcast a couple weeks ago, and I talked about how scary Montreal is. That's how everybody looks at Montreal.
1: Yeah, Talking Heads don't think the same, but then again, they're just Talking Heads. So,
2: <laughs> right. Well, it is no, but but here's the thing, right? When you look at their roster, right? You, you know, I know every team. Every team in the CFL has elite players, but when you look at Vernon Adams, Williams, Standback, I know he's hurt now, and you look at Geno Lewis and Jake Wenneke, Like those are four of the very best players in the entire league on offense. Like Standback's arguably the best running back. Mm-hmm. Adams, Adams arguably, and I think he is the best running back, but anyway, that's another story, <laughs> but Vernon, Vernon Adams, Vernon Adams, I think is uh, the most talented quarterback. And then Winneke, uh, the, I there are a lot of very good duos in the CFL, but Winneke and Gino Lewis, that's eh, as good as it gets. Yeah. So, so when you look, when you have those kind of players, the expectation is for you to be a championship contender. Montreal's got pretty good defense too. So, but. And that's get that gets overlooked because of those, all that star power. So I think that's the frustration right now with Montreal is that they haven't been able, the Alouettes haven't been able to soar from that middle of the pack area. And so, so and I think Adams is being held to a high standard because of his talent. McLeod is like the, McLeod Bethel Thompson is like an underdog. On the flip side, he's, he's kind of an underdog journeyman type who people doubt, uh, Adams is somebody the expectations are so high for him like they people want him to reach a standard where he's near perfect. So um, he's still young enough where he can get there. But but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the difference between the two, even though both are very polarizing figures.
1: Yeah, McLeod's been playing football uh, pro. He's been a pro since 2017. Uh, Sorry, uh, since uh, 2011.
2: When he started, yeah, started off he, with the
1: San Jose Sabercats he, at the arena football. You
2: know, it's, he's got a very close relationship with Jeremiah Masoli. I think I did an article about this last year. I put a picture up. It was him. We, They're with the San Francisco 49ers, and it was McLeod Bethel Thompson, Jeremiah Masoli, same camp, Alex Smith, and Colin Kaepernick. They were, all, <laughs> That's they were true. All, on the, all on the San Francisco 49ers, and it was a great picture of those four guys throwing passes in uniform together. Just fascinating. You know, Alex Smith is uh, love beloved character, you know, a player went through so much adversity in the NFL, ended up having a very good career. Colin Kaepernick, we know all the stuff with him, right? Yeah. And mm. so a lot of controversy and everything there. And then obviously McLeod and uh, Masoli, they've had interesting journeys to get to the CFL and, and become what they are. So so uh, a, a lot. those two are similar too. Masoli's another guy. Masoli's capable uh, of shredding your defense for 400 yards, but he's also capable of throwing, giving you three or four interceptions, depending on which week you get him. And he, 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 we've seen how he elevated Ottawa. So Ottawa's no pushover anymore. So, um, so it's how it helps. I know Masoli has his fair share of haters, but Ottawa's Ottawa's got better quarterback play than it did a year ago. No disrespect to Duck Hodges or Evans or anybody else who played for Ottawa last season.
0: Oh, it's it's incredible. Like those three guys: Vernon Adams, MBT, and Masoli, are arguably three of the most polarizing quarterbacks in this league. You either love them or you hate them because of and strictly because of the way they play this game. It's it's remarkable.
2: It's true. It's just kind of funny how they're all like in the in the same division there. And Dane Dane Evans is the is like the clean cut, easy to easy quarterback, simple. You know, it's like, you know, maybe some people he's middle of the road, nice player, nothing wrong with him, obviously. But uh, but yeah, it's kind of like he's kind of boring compared to those guys we just mentioned.
0: One of these things is not like the other.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, now looking at the matchup, I mean, obviously injuries aside. Uh, obviously, you write for the Argos. You know, you, you look at you look at all different aspects of the Argos when it comes to whichever opponent they're going to be playing this week. How how do you how do you see the Argos coming into this game versus the Alouettes? What do they need ah. to do to beat you know uh, Gary Stern's prediction <laughs> promise to avoid. Uh, and uh, and beat the Owls?
2: Yeah, in order to avoid getting killed. Uh, the, the Argos, it's going to be more than just, you know, the Argos uh, enthusiasts will say, well, just get Vernon Adams to make mistakes. Right. I think the Argos are going to try to run the football. I think uh, Andrew Harris, they're, they're going to make a commitment to running the football. So they're going to try to run the ball. You know, K- Kadeem carries a heck of a back. Calgary had some success. There last week, Montreal is very creative on their defensive side of the ball. They ran a lot of fire zone blitzes. They like to uh, confuse offensive lines and opposing offenses. Sometimes get, 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 they can get caught uh, on a couple of screenplays against the stamps that kind of turned out there. I think they need to pressure Vernon Adams. Need, I think they need to w- w- win the war up front. I think they're going to need to do that on defensively as far as their pass rush goes, because the Argos have the Argos have some issues at corner. And uh, I, w- I fully expect Vernon Adams and, and Kari Jones and uh, to challenge um, Robert Priester, who's going to be playing at Sam in place of Chris Edwards, but to challenge Tavares McFadden and Robertson Daniel, who's a good CFL vet. But I think those guys are going to be challenged on the outside. Um, and so the Argos pass rush is going to have to win. Um, uh, that's going to be important. Um, there are going to be weeks where they do win because of the talent they have up front, Shane Rage, Garrett Davis, Sean Oakman, etc. cetera. So, uh, so that's a big key for them on the defensive side of the ball on the offensive side of the ball. I, as far as the Argos go, I, I, the last time they played Montreal, they had their struggles uh, passing the football. There's some issues on the Argos offensive line. So they, they're going to have to give McLeod Bethel Thompson time. The Argos are very deep, at wide receiver. Um, they may not have like a true number one, like a Geno Lewis or a Jake Wynnicky type. But you know, when you look at it, the, they have an emerging young star in Curly Gittens. Davaris Daniels, a very good receiver. They added uh, Markeith Ambles and Brandon Banks, so they're pretty good at that position. They're going to be missing Eric Rogers, but um, they're pretty deep from one through five. You could say one through six even. So, um, I, I think that could be a challenge. I think Montreal, they had their moments, Montreal's defense. They've lost a couple of key players from last year, but they're, they're still very strong, very underrated, overlooked. So you're gonna have to be patient and you're gonna have to run the football, which I think you're going to see a lot from Toronto. Um, yeah, they're going to, you know, the game plan is going to be to try to pressure Vernon Adams into mistakes and, um, and, um, and I think, uh, uh, and we'll see if he gives you a couple, um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's going to be running the football, controlling the line of scrimmage. I think Toronto, in order for them to win, they're going to have to win at the line of scrimmage on the offensive line and on the defensive line with their pass rush. Yeah, it's going to be a game that's played played, and no doubt won in the trenches. Absolutely. And I, I think those are the big areas there for them. I, and Montreal's had some success. Like I said, it's kind of hard to pinpoint Toronto because, like I said, they're playing a t- an entirely t- different defense. And they got a new special teams, and they're changing up their offensive philosophy somewhat. They brought in Pete Costanza from the Stamps to change up their passing game a little bit. And they didn't have Dinwiddie all this week. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of game plan they have against the Owls.
1: Now, it sh- should be interesting, too, considering that you know that the Argos, are I'm sure they're expecting to that they, to go up against William Stambeck, but they're going to be, uh, you know, Joshua Antwi is going to be the guy who's going to be staring at them uh, over the offensive line. So it's... Uh It'll be, it'll,
2: yeah, it'll without Stanback, Toronto's happy to not see Stanback, that's for sure. But, you know, Nakari Jones, you know, and Antwi obviously was terrific last week. Uh, kind of lost in how unfortunate Stanback's injury was. Antwi was very good for them. And Montreal's offensive is very good. Kari Jones runs a good offense. So um, he's always been a good play caller. So I And they even had success. You know, nobody's William Stanback. We know that already. Can't right. lie to ourselves. But even last year with Cameron Artis Payne had some success when Stanback was out. So that just goes to show you that Kari Jones' offensive system is a good one for the running game and for the pass game. So uh, the Argos are certainly happy not to see Stabak after he rushed for over 200 yards against him last year. So um, that's nice. For them, but but still, <laughs> but still, uh, and, but still I, and I know that Argos defense is going to be different. They're going to be playing with a four man front more often, and they're going to be playing a lot different than they did when they had Chris Jones as their defensive coordinator. And now with Corey Mace running things, so you don't quite you're not quite getting the same defense as you did a year ago. But um, it's the same scheme that Montreal runs. So yeah, uh, nobody wants to play William Standback, uh, you know. And hopefully he gets healthy. He's one of the better players in Canada, and it'd be great to see him back. Yeah. No question. So I, I'm not expecting a prediction
0: out of you in regards to this game, but does this have the potential to be a blowout in either, either, for either team? Or do you see this being kind of like what Montreal Calgary was last week, a very tightly contested affair that pretty much came down to the last play of the game?
2: This could be a Boris Beattie kick at the end to either make or miss. Uh, the, judging by what he did last year, it was a lot of make. Um, so uh, he had a tremendous season. I know you guys are familiar with Beattie, but... uh. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, I, I, you know, I think Toronto. You know, I'm, I'm tempted to call, call for an upset in this game because of all the different factors. I think Montreal's a very good team. I think there's a lot of uh, they're kind of uh, angry after week one. There's a lot of like frustration, mm-hmm. and so I think this game could go either way. I don't think any either either side's going to murder one another, as Gary Stern suggested. But I, I um, <laughs> but, but uh, I could see uh, Toronto just because they're home. Ah, uh, edging this one out late twenty six twenty four something like that. But if Montreal wins, it would not, it would not surprise me whatsoever. I think they're good enough, they're capable enough. These teams are close enough, talent wise, where that could very well be the case. Yeah, they
1: uh, they have the the game uh, five times as the game Argos favored by three and a half, so they're getting that three point favorite for the home for the home team. So,
2: <laughs> right, and it, so it's pretty much even. And if you look at it, you know, um, I, I think. Both teams have elite players on their roster. So it's – and both teams – so Toronto, there's a few unknowns with them because they're – like I said, they have a little bit of a different defense. They're they're changing up their offense. They have a little bit of a different special teams. It's a talented, deep roster. No question about it. The Argos have a lot of strong Canadian talent on their roster. They've done a good job drafting guys. That's kind of overlooked when people kind of like – Ah, uh, make fun of the Argos for you know spending above the salary cap or spending too much money or, or hired guns. They overlook the Curly Gintons and the Castros and everybody else. So anyhow, but um, yeah, I, I think the two teams are equally matched. I think the East is. I think that the, the parity in the CFL overall is going to be interesting this year. I think teams like BC and Ottawa have come up, and it's going to be hard to make the playoffs. And I and I think uh, there's because they're these teams are so competitive in the East and and good. I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be difficult for a team to run away with, say, thirteen or fourteen wins and win the division. You might be happy just to get to nine or ten, just so you could get into the playoffs. So I, I think everybody's going to knock each other down a little bit of a peg, and I think that might be even the case a little bit in the West with BC showing up.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. By the way, just just out of curiosity, where did you have the the Argos in, in the final standings?
2: Uh, my at CFL News Hub, I actually picked the the most boring uh gray cup prediction a winnipeg over montreal Ah. so i i took the alouettes to get to the gray cup and unfortunately nobody wants to see it everybody's tired of the bombers i'm a huge o'Shea guy i've been for a long time i winnipeg finds a way to win that's a measure of a champion they do it sometimes in the ugliest of fashions they are so well coached they're fundamentally sound um, offense, defense, and special teams. So I know everybody believes that Winnipeg. You know they've had some losses and that they're they're going to fall by the wayside. And it's certainly it's certainly possible. You got Saskatchewan at their heels for years now, trying to get over that hump. And so, but I had Winnipeg and Montreal in the final. I didn't know Standback. I had Standback as the league's MOP. I didn't know he would get hurt in week one. Um, but that was my prediction before the season started. I had Toronto. I had Toronto uh, winning ten games. And um, you know, at, at some. You know, you look at their schedule and you say, "Wow, they got Ottawa three times and they played BC twice. But those, if you're just basing on 2021, that looks like five easy wins. But those teams are better. And then Hamilton is good. I know they didn't have a very good week one, but although a lot of teams are going to struggle when they go play Saskatchewan at their place. So um, that's a good team, uh, the Rough Riders. So, yeah, so it, it's fascinating to me. We'll see how things shake out now. I think Toronto is definitely a contender. To get back to the to get to the Grey Cup and uh, Hamilton, obviously it's hard to get back there again and lose. That would be difficult for him. I don't know where Montreal is headed at this point, but I expect them to be a playoff team and to be a contender, even with the loss of Stamback. Hopefully, he gets back. Yeah,
1: it'll it'll be interesting to see, and obviously, week two will show us a little bit more too. <laughs> Things could change as we see in a heartbeat in the C in the CFL, and uh, it, it should you know. We, who's going to remember week one well maybe maybe bc fans considering you know the re- the record they scored for how many points they scored but uh hey obviously it was cool having a on the show to taco owls argos um if uh, anybody wants to follow you mike where would they do so to read all your musings about the cfl uh
2: you can follow me at uh by b-y-m-i-k-e-m-i-t-c-h-e-l-l that's by mike mitchell i write for uh cflnewshub.com uh, xflnewshub.com usflnewshub.com i also cover the new york jets for the jetpress.com so it's busy season so uh just the way that i like it so uh, appreciate you guys having me on i love talking to cfl and this should be a fascinating game on thursday night that's all we
0: can ask for is just a, a good competitive match. That's all so I've said before and I'll say it again. That's all I care about is just seeing a good, hard-played football game. And I got a feeling we're going to be seeing that. I got a feeling that much, the, the Alouettes, I think they're going to become the kings of Thursday night. Just just by their gameplay, whether they win or lose, That they, they could try to own Thursday nights for the CFL.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. The Alouettes are an exciting team. It's going to be interesting, the result, the fallout from Thursday night. Because we're either looking at... The Alouettes at 0-2 and people starting to question their leadership and where they're going to be headed for the rest of the season or the Argos having their home party spoiled, and that would be a buzzkill for the Toronto fan base to lose their home opener and to fall to 0-1. Things can change in a heartbeat. You know, like uh, the, the uh, Alouettes have a tough schedule to start the season. The Argos have to go to BC, and then they play the Bombers and the Riders back-to-back games. So, um <laughs> It's fun that we're in the thick of things right now, and it, but things are going to get very interesting coming off of Thursday night's game. And yes, the Owls would be uh, nobody would complain if they were on every Thursday night. That's for sure. Uh, well, we
1: would. <laughs> I hate, ther- I hate <laughs> Thursday night home games. Hate them with a passion. Hate them with a passion. You know, I, I guess I'm kind of kind of bitter when it uh, when the Owlets have had the most Thursday Thursday home games since they've returned in '96. So I'm 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 pretty bitter. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there's a reason not only is a big city and Montreal is very supportive of the Alouettes, but you know, they've had a lot of talented teams over the years. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, and they have some very good players. So there's a reason why they're always featured. Why TSN always gravitates towards them.
0: Well, that's it. We're going to see some pretty entertaining football this coming Thursday and I'm ready for it. Mike, thank you so much again for joining us on here on the flight deck. Uh, looking forward to a great match on Thursday and you know, like I said, let's, let's see what the Argos can do. Let's see what the LOS can do. Let's see what Canadian football can do. Thank you, gentlemen.
2: It was a pleasure.
1: Mike knows football, man. He knows his stuff. Not only, you know, CFL, XFL, the guy. It was um, it, it was nice to be able to chat with the guy. Again, somebody knew that we've not had on, on the podcast before. But to talk to him, um, so much insight on what's coming up for not only the this matchup versus the Argos, but also for the just the Argos themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you got yourself a good one there, Argos fans. I mean, Mike Mitchell definitely knows what the heck he's talking about. He backs it up uh, and just brings the facts. That's what it comes down to. And i tell you what, folks, I mean, if you haven't already, follow him on Twitter. You know, he's always tweeting out interesting stuff as far as not just Argos-related stuff, but pretty much all facets of football. So, I mean, whether it's CFL, XFL, even NFL, you know, Mike is the guy to, co- to go and and. Sit under his learning tree because you'll learn some stuff. You'll you'll get you'll get an education. So, I mean, Argos fans, as I said, you you got a good one right there. Make sure you give him a follow, and we definitely appreciate him coming on to preview the the matchup against the Argonauts. And as always, anytime you want to come back on the flight deck, chat some football, you know where to find us.
1: Exactly. Um, Cliff, you mentioned it before the for the interview. Uh, only seventeen people away from hundred on YouTube, so please. If you haven't already, please head over to YouTube, do a search for alowitz Flight Deck, uh, hit that subscribe button, uh, and so we can get even closer to giving away that uh that uh that Delta jacket to any one of those hundred or more subscribers that uh, will be available when we when we finish up this this giveaway, this long time giveaway. We wanna give the thing to you guys. Come on, 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 come on.
0: Exactly. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your coworkers. tell everybody. You know, go there, smash that subscribe button. You know, let's, let's get us over the century mark for uh, subscribers and get yourself some swag, man. Yeah. That's what it's, you know, it, they're beautiful jackets. Like, we each own
1: one. And you can, too, for free. So... Go subscribe if you haven't already. Exactly. And speaking of free swag, you still have time, uh, I think, to get some of our uh, 2022 uh, merchandise line for the Alowitz Flight Deck. If you head over to our store at teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck, go ahead and grab something. Uh, We may have a new one coming down the pipe that completely surprised us. And I'm going to go ahead and mention it now since we're moving into the next segment segment here, Cliff. Um, If anybody happened to see on social media – Argo Fluffy on Twitter, The guy is rock solid. Coming up with an indigenous logo for the Alouettes, rock solid.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you talk about fire. This thing is fire. Just an absolutely beautiful. I mean, like, and perfect because this is, uh, you know, this is National Indigenous Persons Month as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, absolutely perfect to, uh, like. I I'm kind of mad we didn't I didn't know about this sooner cuz I I definitely would have loved to have been able to get a t-shirt made with that logo and rock it to all the June games. I mean, yeah. My god. So yeah, folks definitely go go check out uh, Argo Fluffy on on Twitter. I I know he does a lot, like it's a lot of mostly Argo stuff that he does uh, indigenous wise, but it looks like he's looking to branch out and try some uh some other teams. I mean, if he does your team and uh, you know, I think you'll be very, very impressed. Like I came away just blown away by this uh, Indigenous Alouettes logo. It looks amazing. It so if you, if you haven't already, go check it out.
1: Now this this um, this VA jersey swap was a little bit more than I, I think a lot of people may have known. Um, the team had partnered with Telus. Uh, that t- not only was that uh, was there going to be a five thousand dollar donation, but I think for every jersey that was. Um, exchanged there was gonna be another five dollars on top of every jersey um so tell was out there everything was set up uh practice uh, was changed at the very yeah within a, a day or so from being over at the uh, annex field over at olympic stadium to personal molson stadium i think it actually worked out quite well considering uh, the weather that proceed you know happened during during uh uh during practice but um first uh, just as i said Cliff and I want to thank everybody that came up to us that said, told us how they felt, you know, that they listened to the show. Um, and, uh, g- gave their, t- gave their two cents worth, man. It, it was, you know, we love talking to people who listen to the show. Cause it, as I've said, it, it just shows that we're not just talking to ourselves.
0: It, it really does. And knowing that so many people within the organization love the podcast and listen religiously, it sounds like is amazing. It is it does the heart good to know that, as you said tim we're we're not talking to each other or talking to ourselves mm-hmm. like no know, knowing that people truly are listening and you know we definitely appreciate all the feedback, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise you know we we want to know if there's ways we can do to improve the show, we obviously want to hear from you folks and uh, if we're doing a great job, then let us know as well because we'll we'll just keep on doing a great job
1: and it's cool hearing that uh it seems that quite a few people within the Alowitz organization do listen to us on a weekly basis, so uh, our our thanks to you guys because um, uh, again it, it's great to hear feedback from everybody. It, it really really is. Uh, I was also able to speak with uh, Brian Waitman. Cliff, the Tackle Hunger Game is going to be back. Pure Later Tackle Hunger will be returning to Montreal this season, and and it's glad to see. I'm glad to see that uh, that initiative to uh, be back once again in Montreal.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of those organizations that, uh, you know, one of those events that. I know fans really get excited about. Uh, And again, whether you're donating food, actual food items to the local food bank or donating money also to the food bank, I mean, just a chance to go and see the Grey Cup, get your photo taken with it. Uh, There's usually a prize draw that's done as well. I mean, it's it's just a great effort. I I know past couple of years because of COVID, uh, you know, haven't been able to have an event like that. So knowing full well that it's back like it never left, it does the heart good. And it's definitely, you know, encouraging to know that fans will be able to participate in stuff like this again. So yeah, if you're, if you're going to that game against Hamilton folks, you know, bring your wallet, bring your food, you know, take bring a everything. with a great cup. There you which, go.
1: Which if, if I'm not mistaken, may I actually be making a trip twice to Montreal because oh. we're having this, supposedly there are going to be trophies in house for the 20th anniversary of the, uh, of the great cup champs.
0: Oh, well, there you go.
1: So. <laughs> But the, the Tackle Hunger game is currently scheduled to be the September 23rd game uh, versus the Tiger Cats, as Cliffy just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think to before we can go quickly preview, uh, have our preview about Toronto, we need to talk about roster changes that were made because of what happened last week versus Calgary. And Cliff, I know you wanted to talk about it uh, because – it, it was just more than one player stepping up it, it was the Alouettes really took um it, they they took the necessary means in order to get to, to get this team hopefully back to what they they can what they can be even with the uh these three players uh uh down for quite a while
0: mm-hmm. yeah you're just not going to re- simply replace a william standback. you really truly can't but the Alouettes were certainly going to try <laughs> I mean, yes, you got Jeshwan and Antwi. You know what he can do already, and you, now he's the feature tailback for this uh, for this offense. Uh, he's still got Tacko on the practice roster. Uh, you know, we, we we talked about what he was able to do at camp, and you know that's definitely a viable option as well. But I think Danny Machocha wanted to just have that extra little bit of insurance policy just in case, just in case something were to go wrong. Uh, so we learned on Sunday that uh, Shane Simpson, who was on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, practice roster last year, and I believe he was also a, a member of camp as well for them, uh, he's now a member of the Alouettes. So we thought, okay, great. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to have that extra little bit of depth. And we figured, okay, that's fine. We, we've got three very solid candidates as far as running back goes, and you know, I, I think we'll be okay. But Danny Mack wasn't finished no, he 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 wanted to be doubly sure that things were going to be okay when it came to the running back position here, and he called up, I think a guy that's becoming a, a good friend of the Alouettes and Chris Jones, and he swung a deal with the Edmonton Elks, landing Walter Fletcher for a sixth round draft pick in 2023. That is now the third deal the Alouettes have made with the Elks in the past like calendar year, or no, no, sorry, fourth in the past calendar year that the, uh, the Elks and the uh, Alwets have exchanged players and or draft picks. It's just crazy to think when you – I mean, like, uh, the, the, does Danny know he can call other teams to make deals? But <laughs> see, it seems to like uh, – I, I don't know if he's just whimsical for the fact that he was at one point the general manager and head coach for the Edmonton franchise. I I don't know. Maybe that's – the number he remembers the most easily. So he just calls them see if Jonesy wants to make a deal. And I guess he does because, yeah, we, the, the Alouettes and Elks have now swung a couple of deals, with, even just within the past couple of months. It's, it's, it's incredible. but uh, And I'm very happy to have a Walter Fletcher in the lineup because last year he was one of the – there wasn't a whole lot of standout players when it came to the Edmonton Elks for all the right reasons, but Walter Fletcher put in a very solid performance in his first year in Edmonton. Uh, got beat out uh, this year. So, I mean, like, he was kind of on the outside looking in. So, I mean, this is kind of a win-win. Like, he comes to Montreal and can possibly reinvent himself if he can come and team up with Antwi and be that one-two punch that the Alowitz will need at as, as running back. I mean, and all it's going to cost is a six-round draft pick. That's great. I mean, that's those are the kind of moves you want your general managers to make, folks. And, you know, I'll, I'll give props to Danny Mack for doing that. I mean, just, just having that assurance that now we've got – very solid group at the running back position i mean as far as i'm concerned jesu and he's going to be more than fine like he's going to be the star of the show now but knowing that you've got a walter fletcher a shane simpson taku lee kind of waiting in the wings just you know staying ready when their number is called it's it's not going to replace stand no and i don't think that's even the goal is to try and replace static you you simply cannot replace a generational talent like william stanbeck but just as far as keeping your head above water, like just trying to help stay the course until Standback's able to return. And we are still hoping and praying that he will be back by the end of the season. But just in case not, this is not a bad running back group to, to look back on and kind of hang your hat on, if you will.
1: No. Uh, by the way, quick thoughts speaking of Fletcher, and I can get maybe it's because of the amount of time that, uh, you know, we picked uh, uh, Simpson was a surprise attendee. At practice mm-hmm. on on Sunday because they announced it and he was already on the field. Right. So Simpson's been placed. Uh, he, he's he's on the practice roster, which I, I kind of get because he wants to get, you know, they want him to get used to the playbook, I would imagine. Sure. And I'm guessing this is because of the of when this trade occurred. But Walter Fletcher has been placed on the one game, which I didn't know until just checking. Mm-hmm. So he's on the one game injured list. Maybe it's because maybe he's not in town. That's, 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 you know what? That may be it too. But he's a part Could of the you? roster. Yeah. So we we're talking about this before. Who's, who's backing up Antwe?
0: <laughs> Unless they feel confident enough in uh, their fullbacks, uh, Christophe Normand mm-hmm. and uh, Alexandre Garnier. Maybe. maybe. I mean, they they, they don't have necessarily have the explosive speed that uh, standback or Antwe have, but I mean, they can run the Rock too. Yeah. And. Either that, or currently returning. Who will be returning kicks for the Alouettes against Toronto is uh, Chandler Worthy and Warren Newman. Yep. Uh, those are both uh, very fast guys, guys that can really run if need be. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see a whole lot of jet sweeps. Quite frankly, maybe uh, Ferdinand just dumps the dumps up, dumps the ball off on these guys and uh, let's let their legs do the do the
1: talking. Yep. Uh, by the way, we, we it was a little questionable. When we saw it, but what's your thought of Antonio Simmons being placed on the practice roster? Because uh, remember, I, at first we thought he was cut, but then there was some clarification, that, and he's on the practice roster.
0: I guess probably as far as just trying to make uh, space for guys like Simpson and eventually Fletcher. I mean, that's you know, it's usually a lot of moving parts when it comes to that. I mean, it's 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 a delicate balance, especially, too, like there's no particular injuries or anything on the defensive line. And if you want to give guys like uh, Brock Gowanlock a chance to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get some actual reps in, I mean, like you really can't dress everybody. So,
1: right, you
0: know, as, as 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 it stands right now, there's no serious weakness as far as I'm concerned with this defensive line. So it's good to have an Antonio Simmons kind of in your back pocket. So just unfortunately with the circumstances that have befallen the Elways when it comes to, you know, the the personnel on offense. Said so there's only X number of roster spots, yeah. all you know, all you know, overall. So, I mean, I guess he kind of just drew the short straw, all
1: right? Um, Cameron Artis Payne is he's still on the right, uh, he's still on the roster on the suspended list. Is we don't know, we haven't heard anything much about him, whether it be in the media, you know, TV, or in print.
0: Um, I'm starting to wonder if maybe he's just i guess part of it must have thought okay well they got stand back they don't need me and then now that they're making moves to acquire these other running backs maybe he's just decided it's just not worth it to try to come up and compete in canada which would be unfortunate because yeah he was definitely you know a very exciting player but the only person who could truly answer that would be cameron or his pain
1: yeah um but i i agree with you that i think the that the organization has done what they need to do in order to replace these players, bringing Matt, you know, Nadja Murray off the sixth game. He's going to be playing this week. Um,
0: now, this is someone who I'm really excited to see back in an Alouette's uniform and back playing again, because last year he really stood out uh, in the secondary. Like he, he was definitely a bonafide playmaker. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit worried when I first saw him ending up on the sixth game list. I was like, Oh geez. Like what? You know, nothing too serious, I hope. And then lo and behold, he's been activated and then put on the roster like, oh, OK, this is great. Because, like I said, I've, I've been wanting to see him. I've been wanting to see him in the lineup. Uh, I mean, he's definitely going to help the secondary. Now with uh, Reed out due to injury, watch for a guy like Najee Murray to come up, come and really make an impact. Let's not forget the last time Najee Murray played against the Argonauts. Right. He, he scored a walk-off game winner. Pick six.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: You got to wonder, like maybe he's got another one of those waiting, waiting in the wings. Just, you know, just all he needs is the opportunity to get on the field and uh, and make something happen. So I sincerely hope so. I, yeah. I'm I'm pulling for him. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, what are your, what are your, I know we talked about, you know, we we're talking about it with Mike before, but any last thoughts on the, on the, on the Toronto game coming up? I've, what, by the way, I saw it on, on social. They didn't take the train. They actually flew to Tio. I was like, oh, well, they,
0: in, Interesting. Well, they got a plane. Why yeah, wouldn't they I, I use know, it? I know, I know,
1: but <laughs> it's, it's not like they can take the plane to Ottawa this year. You know, <laughs> why?
0: Why not? <laughs> but Listen, you got a plane. You may as well use it. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. But any and, and and again, if they're if they were gonna be doing the fan train thing, which unfortunately doesn't look like they're doing this year, I mean, this wouldn't be the game to do it for. So I mean, I just don't. Uh, to me, I think you just, especially to a Thursday night game, I think you just want to be in and out, especially what like in and out of toronto so i think
1: it makes a whole (laughs) lot of sense to take the
0: plane and just be done with it
1: yeah um anything you're looking at any specifically for uh for the owls versus the argos
0: i mean i I just want to i just want to see vernon learn from his mistakes and play the game that we expect him to play and he's usually very good about that he's one he's he's been known for having these bounce back games and he could very well have it against toronto like last year against the Argos, he did not play a very good... Well, he, he was good in a lot of respects, but he also made a lot of dumb mistakes. And he even said to himself, I've got to be better than that. And I, I'm kind of hoping he remembers that just a little bit, and it motivates him to want to play even harder and play, play the kind of game that we expect out of Vernon Adams Jr. To me, like that's going to be the key, is how this team goes, how Vernon goes is how this team will go. And I just I just see it coming together for him. I, I, I think he kind of realized, you know, how he can play against Calgary. Like he, he knows that he can play in this league. Injury aside, all that mental aspect stuff. I mean, that, that's I, I think he's past that now. I think he realizes, OK, I can still put together a great game. I can still put together game winning drives. This is just now the opportunity that I've been waiting for to prove to everybody that I can make things happen. To me like that's that's what's going to be key Thursday night against the Argos is how is Vernon Adams going to engineer those drives and if he gets down for whatever reason how is he going to respond is he going to step up or is he going to try too hard and make mistakes or is he going to learn from his from the learn from the past and go forward in a much more positive and much more constructed way yeah in order to score more points in order to beat this team and let's face it the Argos, they're going to come out. They're going to be motivated. Like, I know a lot of people were buying tickets for this game. I, I'm expecting a fairly decent turnout, even by BMO Field standards. I'm expecting a pretty decent turnout. I, I think people want to be excited by this team. Like, there's a lot to be excited about with the Argos. I mean, they are a very solid team. Let's not forget too, they were the kings of the East yeah. last year. Yeah. They they hosted the Eastern Final. Like they, this is a very this this team has the potential to be a very exciting football team. the right opportunity given the right opportunity and i think montreal realizes that and they're going to play to that and they're going to i I think they're going to really want to set the tone early which like they did against calgary like just set the tone but you got to maintain it like you cannot put up 20 plus points and then coast the rest of the game it just does not work that way like you really truly have to pile on the points pile on the hurt you you really just got to Ram the ball down their throat and just make life miserable for McLeod Bethel Thompson. Like you got to rattle his cage big time and just take everything away from him, take away his weapons. And I, I, I really think if if Montreal can do that, if they can put together some game winning drives, if they can, if Vernon Adams can step up and be that quarterback that we expect him to be, that he knows that he can be, there's no, there's absolutely no reason why the Alouettes can't come home with a one in one record and host the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to what I have no doubt will be a very excited crowd at Personal Molson Stadium ready to see these guys in action. Yeah, for sure.
1: VA is going... uh, He's he's looking for his very first win in Toronto. Uh, VA has an overall 2-1 and record versus the Argonauts. Uh, One game was played in Moncton, one game was played here in Montreal, and then last year in Toronto. So he's looking for his first ever win. um, In the six? In the six. So It's a this is always a, very, it's always been a very good rivalry between these teams. And I think VA needs to get off to a fast start. Let's let's, you know, let's work. I'm curious to see, because usually we hear that, the you know, I, I mentioned it before that usually the first 15 plays are usually scripted. I'm curious yes. to see where they go with these 15 plays. <sighs> Hopefully the end zone. <laughs> well, yes, but you know what I mean. When it comes to I do, I do. percentage-wise between pass plays and run plays, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I, again, I, I'm expecting all facets of the game to be to step up. I, like, I expect this defense to really make some noise. I really expect them to tighten up where they need to because there was a couple times too where they like they were just kind of like a like a rudderless ship out there and just no direction at all. So I, I'm really hoping that. They get that part nailed down. They just play the game that I know I expect them to play. And special teams, like this game, once again, like as we talked about with Mike, is that this game could go down to the wire again, like like against Calgary. Like this could literally be decided by a, a last minute field goal by either team. I mean, like this, I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not expecting a blowout from either team. Like I, I'm expecting another good, hotly contested match, and I, I fully expect all t- the, both teams to play all 60 minutes. 100%.
1: Yep. Should be fun. Should be fun. Um, yeah. So game will be on, uh, obviously on TSN, RDS and, uh, local radio and in French and English. So ESPN
0: yeah. plus for our American friends. There
1: you go. There you go. And it, we will be back next week, uh, to preview the home opener. Uh, we have a couple of ideas what we want to do for next show, but we're going to keep that a little bit of a secret. Again, just a reminder for those of you who do not currently have tickets for the home opener, we still have that contest where you can win a free pair of SportBuff flight crew seats. Head over to our socials to get the link, and you can can, uh, join in the contest for free. Very, very simple.
0: There you go. The price is right, folks. That's right.
1: So Cliff... I will talk to you later, my friend, and we hope to have you, the fans, join us next week as we go over the the Argos game and preview the 2022 home opener for the Montreal Alouettes. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on final approach.